1: gentlemen and welcome to getting it out podcast that was almost honest from new cumberland pennsylvania the song you just heard was laughter of the dear al that track features crowbots brendan yeagley on guest vocals you might be familiar with this band i played them for you before on a previous episode of getting it out podcast i forget which episode but i do remember which song i played you amish hex Uh, why do i like this band first of all they rock second of all they're from pretty nearby to me so it's always cool and fun to support bands that are from the area Uh, they've got a new record it's called the hex of Penn's woods it's not out until november 24th that's ample time for you to prepare yourself get ready go to uh, pancamp.com i think that's the only place i see it right now almost honest pa.bandcamp.com and pre-order their record digitally You can pre-order digitally. I don't know about physically. I believe it's coming out on Argonato Records, which is based out of Italy. So I might have that wrong, but I'm pretty sure I've got it right. Maybe there's two labels of the same name. I don't know. But Argonato Records puts out some cool stuff. They released actually some uh, very interesting records this year. And it's along the same uh, sounds as Almost Honest. So maybe that is the right one. Maybe my research has done me well and I know what I'm talking about, but maybe not. But what I do know for sure is that this episode of Getting It Out podcast features an interview with Sirith Ungles drummer Robert Garvin and going with the theme of me releasing an episode the day after a band breaks big news about themselves. They just announced their retirement from playing live shows, though it is a year in advance. They are done after the year 2024, so we didn't talk about that at all. I wasn't aware of this new stipulation, so we just talked about their new record, Dark Parade coming out next week on Metal Blade Records and we'll get to all that but first it's New Jersey's Hot Zone kick it! I've been thinking about the happiness of squirrels a lot lately. That's not a joke. I mean it. They look so happy. What are they happy about? But then I see them squished on the ground and they don't look so happy like that. But really, who runs around less happy than a squirrel? Everybody. Nobody seems to prance and dance and jump from limb to limb with the joy of a squirrel. Maybe it's because we can't do it. I don't know. What do they know that I don't know? Why do they look so happy? I can see them right outside of my window. It's kind of ground level, so I can look like right in their faces, and they appear to be happy animals. though I suspect they're always in fear of everything else. I don't know. It's just their body language. Fake it till you make it, you know. Uh, but I wonder what they feel. I wonder what I wonder what animals feel all the time. Not all the time. I'm not that sympathetic. But I often, sometimes, rarely, but sometimes, I will wonder how an animal feels often with the Amish around here, I'm like, hey, how does that horse feel to be out here surrounded by cars in the pouring rain? That must be pretty scary, right? Do horses care about stuff like that? Apparently not. They just keep trudging along, trotting along. That's the word I'm looking for. They trot along, clip-clop, clip-clop, packing those rumble strips full of horse shit the way that they do. I've been on that rant far too many times to go down that road again. Speaking of bizarre things here in Pennsylvania, when I started this interview here with Robert Garvin of Sirith Ungle, I hit play because he was mid-conversation uh, on um, the uh, unexplainable entities in the woods of Pennsylvania. And then I kind of put him on the spot and was like, hey, let's talk about that. Let's, look, let's record this part of the conversation. And I think I flustered him and we lost a uh, train of thought. But uh, that's where we're going to pick this thing up. After you listen to a track from the new Sirith Ungol record, I'm going to play you the first single from that one to start things off. We'll get to that in a minute. But first, I want to let you know that it is Friday the 13th in October today. And if that excites you, we can't be friends. Okay, not cool. Not a cool day. Uh, It's not a bad day either. It's just not cool. All right. Um, I have got this thing against Halloween. I believe it's for child molesters. I don't really believe that. It's the thing I like to say to rile people up because I know people who like Halloween, love Halloween. And uh, I don't know. Same thing with Friday the 13th. No real feelings, just being a contrarian. Anyway, there are some good records that are out today. You can start with uh, some metallic hardcore. You can just call it metalcore. A Morning Star has a new CD out on Days called A Reminder of the Wound Unhealed there's uh there's lots of death metal transcending obscurity records released three records i think today oh one of them is by a band that i'm gonna have trouble pronouncing this first word Arbor Essence of wrath they've got inferno out today i forget what their others are body void has a new one on prosthetic records called atrocity machine uh death champ death champ Death Chant. I'm going to say that three times because their new record Thrones, which I haven't listened to at all out on Riding Easy Records, is likely going to be my favorite record of the week. I know that because their last record record was damn near my favorite record of the year. There's new stuff from False Fed on Neurot Recordings. That's guys from all sorts of bands like Discharge, Ministry, Soulfly, Nausea, Amoebics, and more. There's a lot of bands in that band. You know what I mean by that, right? Ex-members of new one from Krieg looking forward to that actually look forward to a new episode featuring neil jameson of Krieg coming in the very near future new lion's daughter former getting it out podcast guest uh this one's called bathhouse it's a self-released off the label wonder what that's going to be like new mondo generator that's nick oliveri's uh punk metal stoner thing that has been putting out records forever malformed on Extremely Rotten Productions. There's stuff all over the place, guys. Long Island hardcore band Private Mind just put out a new one through Triple B Records called The Truth You See. And I could keep going down the list and I might, uh, but I won't. I'll save you all. Uh, Just make sure that you check out something new today, whatever day you're listening to this. New release day is among my favorite days of the week. Actually, it is my favorite day of the week because that means it's Friday and that means we get to go home now. But you don't get to go anywhere, or you don't have to at least. You can stay right here and you can listen to this track. It's the first single from Sirith Ungol's Dark Parade. It's called Velocity S.E.P. And then my conversation with Robert Garvin.
2: or you think of them like Oregon or Washington? Yeah, like
1: Arkansas, Pacific Northwest. Oregon. That's where I would think. Yeah,
2: yeah, but there's there's actually you know there's even there's there's like swamp creatures and stuff and like you know uh, the southern part of the United States, you know, places you would never and like like I said, I you, you're calling me out on the thing because I've read like a hundred books on it, but <laughs> I can't pull up like a specific thing, but I could I could get back with you and and point you in a direction of some stuff that's in your area that you might be interested in. Well, I, I know about the New
1: Jersey devil, yes, but not, devil. uh, yeah, but nothing, nothing about the Pennsylvania. We got, I mean, there's plenty of, uh, plenty of woods out here. So it makes sense. We could have a big foot or two.
2: It's, it's, so a, how, it, how far are you from, uh, the, the, the part of New Jersey?
1: Uh, um, I'm about an hour and a half from Philly. So that's basically New Jersey, you know, yeah, the, the
2: devil but, was from a place called the Pine Barrens, kind of like, yeah. something. I remember, hey, he could fly, so he could be in your neighborhood really (laughs) shortly. (laughs) Good, maybe that's
1: what the turkey. We have a neighborhood turkey. This is funny. We have a neighborhood turkey that's been that like runs around our our neighborhood. I don't know why it's been here for years though. It's just a singular turkey that lives here. So I'll I'll suggest the turkey will protect us.
2: Yeah, wild turkey. No, hey, so I live in Ventura, California, or a small ocean uh, city on the ocean. It was a lot cooler, like years ago because you know more people of Los Angeles is just like let's say Philadelphia or New York City, it's kind of spreading out like a giant mm-hmm. amoeba. And we were one of the last little places that weren't, you know, overwhelmed yet, but it's all kind of slowly creeping, you know. Uh but we have like a guy here, it's called Charman. And there was a dairy up in a little town near us, Ohio. It's kind of like it's where a lot of stars live now. Uh mm-hmm. you know, it's it's kind of a place some of the stuff is really expensive. And so a lot of rich people they don't want to live in hollywood so they have to have their like weekend house or something. Um, okay. Malcolm McDowell, you know, a lot of a lot of famous people have been up there over the years. But uh anyway, in this one like Derry uh, this guy somehow he got burned alive or something, you know, from his family or something and anyway, so he ended up in the in the creek bottom. And like when you cross certain bridges, there was a couple of bridges where you know, Charm man he'd come out, you know, to attack your car <laughs> and stuff, you know. So and, uh, you know, some people really believe it and they've seen him and then other people, it's just kind of like a local legend. That's funny. That's cool though. That's interesting. And, uh, not
1: totally far removed from what you've been doing with your band for all these years, Cirith on It's not, I mean, it's not, it's not a good comparison exactly, but, uh, but, uh, but fantasy, um, some unbelievable stuff. Uh, I don't mean that you know you can't believe it. I just mean in the way that we characterize it, Uh, which you of course started in Ventura, where you're still at, right? Yes, in like '71, like over 50 years ago, right?
2: Yeah, we were like 13. I think we might have been between seventh and eighth grade or so. And uh, Greg and I, we we uh, were in advanced English class, and. So we're in this advanced English class, which was kind of guys that we had like better reading scores. And so they put us in stuff that was more challenging. So they asked us to, or assigned us to read The Lord of the Rings. Now, you got to put this in perspective. We're like 12, 13 years old. Your teacher asked you to read. And then there were paper books. We didn't have hard copies or anything. Movie hadn't come out for another 30 years, right? So we never heard of this thing. And a teacher assigns it to us. And the first book is six, 700 pages. You know, and and you know that there's two more after that, and it'd be like, it'd be like you're in kindergarten and they read you War and Peace or something. You know, it's kind mm-hmm. of, it's not really beyond what you kind of uh, uh, were capable of, but it kind of, it stretched our kind of horizon. So, you know, we read that. It was a big influence on us. And what it really kind of did also, too, it kind of opened up the other vistas of literature, like Sword and Sorcery, like Conan the Barbarian or Elric, the guy on all our album covers, most of them. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, you know, with, with it's Robert Howard, you know, he has not only Conan, but he has Bran McMoran, you know, and then, uh, Michael Moorcock that wrote all the Elric series, you know, he has a guy Hawkmoon and, you know, Corum, you know, so there's all these kind of like swirling around, uh, sword and sorcery, uh, genre literature, you know, that we were all reading at that time and we're kind of young and we're impressionable and it kind of, uh, uh you know, we thought it was really cool, you know, so when we got together with the band. Um, you know, we wanted to play really heavy rock music. And that's another thing is I think people think, you know, because our name is from the Lord of the Rings or because our album covers are from the Elric series, that all our music, music's going to be like that too. And there are some bands, including uh, Hawkwind, that did a whole Moorcock album, I think. Uh, but these are things that have influenced us and that are uh, thematically like around the band or that we, uh, we like associating ourselves with, but we try to, we try to uh make the point that our music you know stands on its own you know that's not part of the sword and sorcery thing even though we have some sort and sorcery uh you know and we have doomy lyrics but you know we don't necessarily have doomy album covers you know so I mean I guess the thing is that that's where we sprung from, but that's not what defines us as who we are
1: sure sure yeah okay there's there's an interesting thing with Ungol where the album well first of all I like that there's all this uh continuity that's the word continuity between like the album artwork you know it's all it's all ties in very nicely with each other but if i were to look at your album artwork without hearing your band i would think you sounded different i would think it would be i I wouldn't think it would be as heavy as it is and that's kind of that's what i love about it It is it is very heavy music for back then and for now especially even on uh dark parade and i think that's a really cool aspect that i bet Some people just don't even get to that point that they discover that it's much heavier than they might think.
2: Well, you got to remember when we first got together and stuff back then, there was no Internet. There wasn't that many like radio stations that were playing rock music. We'd go into a record store and we'd be flipping through there and you'd pick out something based on what the cover was. And this is a true story we were in school across from a place that was, uh, they had a drum store music store and in a little record section. And me and Greg were in there one day. And, uh, I remember he pulls out black Sabbath's first album and he holds it up to me. And he goes, wow, Rob, look at this. He goes, I wonder if these guys are any good. Right. You know, so. We're in a time where you're looking at an album cover. You've never heard of the band, you know, and this is how old we are, you know, old fuckers, yeah. right. Uh, that, you know, how many guys can say they saw black Sabbath's album before they ever, for the band, you know, kind of. Right. And, uh, so that's kind of, the, that's kind of the era we came from. And so a lot of times we would even do this, like, you know, we were kind of, you know, we're always pretty honest and nice, but we'd slip the plastic with our finger and we'd slide the album out because being in a band and stuff, we knew you could tell by looking at the grooves, what type of music it is. If the music's kind of soft, not a lot going on, the grooves are closer together. Uh, if it's like hard rock or heavy metal, you know, back then hard rock, you know, you could tell the the grooves are all squiggly. And a lot of times you buy the album based on the album cover and what the grooves look like.
1: Wow. And I've never heard that about the grooves thing. That's, that's Yeah, really no. Cool. And
2: that's, matter of fact, this new album, some of our songs were a little bit longer uh, than we had a room to fit because anything over 22 minutes on a LP,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you lose a little bit of dynamics because once again, the needle, you know, the needle's Dragging through the groove, and the wider the groove is, the needle can go back and forth. And that's, you know, the bass drums and the, you know, uh, you know, the bass guitar. The low frequencies are the the little ones. You know, with the cymbals being a little bit stuff at the top. And if you look, like I said, if you, if you pulled up a thing that was spoken word, or let's say, light listening jazz or something, it would be the grooves would be very close together. Uh, and here's another funny story because this these are all old stories about the band there's a place near our house that like had a giant, we'd drive up there. And back then this was all we're younger. We'd be smoking pot. We would drive up there, you know, to go smoke pot for practice or something. And we'd have a bunch of albums that we bought. Some of them weren't no good. And back then you couldn't trade them back in. Uh, This is out in the middle of like nowhere. And at the bottom of this giant Canyon, there's a flat thing, you know, and I think in retrospect, I'm pretty good. I, I don't litter or anything like that now, but, we'd throw the album way up in the air and it would go down on the ground. And if it would hit and explode that we'd be all excited. Like, yeah, you know, remember we're like, by this time we're like maybe 16, we had a driver's permits or something. But, uh, yeah. So we would, the whole ritual is just trying to like discover new bands and try to like find out about bands that were playing heavy music. And, and that was kind of, you know, it was when we were really young, it was kind of the formative time of our uh, lives. You know, what kind of, predated all this stuff but it's like what led to this
3: Mm -hmm.
2: well speaking of
1: like discovering music and being young getting into something uh if someone if someone young or or old it doesn't matter what age were to get into discover syrith ungold now where would you want them to start would you want them to start with the early stuff with the stuff since you reformed like where where do you think is the best place for someone to start
2: yeah, you know, that's a hard question. You know, I think uh, since a lot of the stuff is free and online, you know, maybe start at the beginning, you know, mm-hmm. Frost and Fire. When that album came out, that album was supposed to be uh, all our radio stuff because back then everything was on the radio. You couldn't get a record deal if you didn't yeah. have, you know, a hit single or something. We made that album specifically so that we could give it to record companies as a demo, you know, like, hey, this is a demo from our band. You know, if you sign us, we'll put out more stuff like this, but we want to show you that we can actually put out an album, you know, that's professional, that looks good, that sounds good, that has great artwork and layout design and stuff. And so that's kind of where we came from on that. Uh, When that really didn't work, a lot of the guys said, oh, it's too heavy. It's too strange. It's not really what's going on. We kind of moved on to King of the Dead, which was more what the band was playing at the time, but we were trying to show... Kind of like it's if you go into a job interview, you know, and you wear a suit, you comb your hair, right? That was yeah. Frosted Fire. And then after everyone said, "Oh, that's too heavy" or "It's too weird," we're like, "Well, that was our that was our Sunday dr- clothes," you know, that was our <laughs> right. Sunday suit. So we're gonna play what's what the band is really like, and that's more like what King of the Dead is. But you know, that's funny you said that because every day I read people say, "Hey, I've been a heavy metal fan for my whole life," and sometimes they're young or old, and they said, "I've never heard of this band ever." And I think that there's still people out there because we're kind of like a cult band or an underground band. You know, even though we have all this to show for ourselves, we there's still people that have never even heard of us. So that's Mm -hmm. why I appreciate uh, you doing this podcast or talking about the band, because maybe a handful of people that listen to you may want to go out and discover and listen to some of our jump.
1: Yeah, that's that's always the idea. And I mean, for for myself, with Sirith Ungol, it wasn't until you guys were getting back together in 2016 or whatever that was that made me go back and it was a name I knew, but not a band, not a name, not a band I was familiar with. But once it was, you know, you were in the news again, I was like, well, let's, let's see what this is about. So, so that's what, you know, I got in later too. Um, But tell me about that reformation and how it's been since then. Cause that's uh what, what tw- 2016, do I have the year right on that?
2: Yeah. 2016. Well, so we broke up after, uh, let's see if I can point the right direction. Yeah. Okay. Right up here. <laughs> Paradise Lost, after this album right here, uh, yeah. the band broke up. Uh, the record coming on wasn't very supportive. Uh, they promised like a three-album deal, and that kind of fell through at the last moment. Uh, we really didn't have very much control over how the record was produced, which was really kind of horrible for us because the other three albums before that, we had a lot. And the first two, we had complete control over because so we did them all ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so the band, a couple of guys left the band. You know, We were kind of bummed out. Me and Tim were the last guys standing, and we just said, What are we going to do? And we said, you know, once again, we're like, you know, 25 or 30 and we're like, well, we can't keep doing this stuff at our age. Right. You know, we're going to have to like get younger guys in the band that don't even know our music and have to teach them all our old stuff from our previous four albums, you know? So we decided, Hey, you know, let's just pack it up and go out on a good note. So we're not, you know, we're not old men struggling with metal, you know? And you know, we wanted to keep it going. But at the time, too, all the hair metal stuff was popping up in LA. And we just thought that was horrible. I mean, a lot of people see it differently than we did. But boy, man, if you saw some of the bands and, you know, we had an opportunity too. guys said, hey, if you start wearing lipstick and women's clothing, you know, we'll manage your band. And we're like, no, that's not really for us. Um, 2015 Jarvis local guy that lives in my area. is in a band night demon. Uh, he wanted to put on a festival here in town because there's festivals all over the world that he's played at. And, uh, you know, he goes, your band from here, he goes, we're going to call it frost and fire and bands are going to come from all over. And he goes, do you guys ever thought about getting back together? And we said, you know, no, you know, we're done with it. You know, this is over a long time ago, but he goes, Hey, so I'm going to put on this festival. Why don't you come out, check out the bands. And you guys can do like a a meet and greet, like a signing session. And uh, so we said, sure. So we did that. A lot of people showed up, you know, it was like an hour two hours signing people's albums and, you know, stuff that I, I, I would never believed. And people came from all over the world. So there were people from, you know, England, from Greece, from Italy, from France, from Germany that, you know, we're here to see, see not only Jarvis's thing, but to meet you and sign, you know, sign your record. And so that was kind of uh, eye-opening to us. So we said, hey, uh, or he said to us, he said, hey, look, if you like what you saw, if you guys get back together, I'll put this on again next year. You guys can headline. And so that's kind of how we came out of, um, you know, our retirement. And the plan was only to play maybe one or two shows at the maximum. And I think uh, kind of like a snowball rolling down a hill, we kind of just started rolling and picking up speed. and uh, Kind of the rest is history.
1: We've well, been going pretty strong since then. Uh, this is your Dark Prayer is going to be your second album. You put out another EP as well, um, yes. and 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 but this this new one it comes out. Uh, what's what's the official day? October twentieth on. Yes. And you're back with Metal Blade Records, right?
2: Yeah. No, we matter of fact, uh, since the band got back together, Metal Blade was always like a really good home for us. Uh, the third album up here, Right Above My Head, One Foot in Hell, that was on Metal Blade. We left them. I don't know why to go back to the same company we're on. That kind of released our first couple of records, but you know back then we're younger too, and you know we're, you know we thought you know, you know we have so much to offer. Why aren't people doing more for us? But when the band got back together, such a really good relationship with Metal Blade. They'd actually while we were uh, retired, they'd put out all of our old albums. We released them, bought the rights to them. You know, so Brian and everyone there at Metal Blade was kind of big supporters of the band. And so uh, all the last projects we did, we did a live album that's over here, uh, I'm Alive, then right next to it, Witch's Game, which is a single we did for a movie that's still being worked on right now. It's called The Planet of Doom. And it's an animated movie. Pandemic kind of knocked that down a couple of notches, but they're still working on it. And then we did the EP over here in the middle of the pandemic because after Forever Black came out, it came out literally on the day the pandemic hit the US. And we're just like, wow, this is like, it's either really good timing or it's ironic because our music's really dark and doomy, right? Mm -hmm. So we decided in the middle of the pandemic, people had been asking us to um, re-record some demos. And so Half as Human was kind of us saying, hey, something we never wanted to do, but why don't we just do an EP with four old songs on it, breathe some new life into it as a placeholder in between studio albums. And uh, we kind of had a lot of fun with it. People liked it. But, you know, we're really focused on since we're older. Hey, we want to put out as much new material as we can before, you know, we get too old to do this. Right. Mm-hmm. Before they uh, have to send us back to the rest hole. <laughs> well, it doesn't
1: sound like metal blades can do that to you. Uh, I actually did one of these with Brian Slegel a week, two, maybe two weeks ago. Um and uh, one of the things I was talking to him about a lot about was his books that he wrote where there is a good portion of it where he talking about uh, Sir Ungol and how how he really wanted to keep the band and uh, keep things going for you. And, and it seems like you're in a great spot as far as record labels go. And I mean, Metal Blade, a label that many bands would kill to be a part of. And you guys yeah. are sitting pretty there.
2: Well, he was one of our first friends, like I said, when the first album came out, we worked at a record store. We went there. It's called Oz Records. It's in a place That's called funny. the Valley. Yeah. You know, Valley girls. I don't know if you remember that movies like that stuff <laughs> right outside of Los Angeles, kind of a suburban area. And, uh, you know, we go, Hey man, we want to be in a band We're famous. We just made this album, like a self-released album. And he goes, Hey man, he goes, I want to start my own record label. You know? So we're both like, you know, we're both there on the ground level having these dreams, you know, and he actually became, you know, like a force of nature in the whole metal world. And he actually hooked us up with the guys that actually bought the license to uh, our first album, and then they re-released King of the Dead, and then under a different name they re-released uh, Paradise Lost. And uh, you know they weren't a bad company, and they actually helped us. But you know once again they weren't you know they really didn't know. I don't know. It'd be like uh, it'd be like if you're a cricket player, and you know you come to the United States, and you're supposed to teach badminton to like schoolgirls or something. You know, what I mean. <laughs> metal blade yeah. is where we belong you know it's a record company that understands heavy metal and understands our history and all that the labels they were on before they kind of even though they had some other big bands on there they really weren't they weren't uh, accustomed to having a band like us and i think right. that was unfortunate but also they helped us we wouldn't even be talking if it wasn't for them helping us out of the gate so you know everyone had helped the band along the way we we're appreciative of
1: that's very cool very cool well like we mentioned dark parade is the new record Comes out October twentieth again. Metal Blade Records. You released a lot of records over the years. Uh, we said a couple since you had your comeback. But what are you most looking forward to with the release of this one?
2: Well, you know, I kept swearing. You know, this is my kind of like my mission statement. Every album's going to be heavier than the one previous before it. And uh, I can't say whether we totally succeeded, but I think uh, Dark Parade's heavier than Forever Black people love Forever Black, got all sorts of really good reviews. Matter of fact, I keep a spreadsheet of them and I have like, you know, five, five out of five, you know, nine out of 10 or whatever. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. Critical, whatever. And I put them in it, you know, shared them with all the guys in the band and we read them. The irony is, you know, we write the music for ourselves. So if we really wanted more fans or more stuff, maybe out of the gate, we would have started writing material that was more accessible to the world or society. But our goal was, hey, we want to write the heaviest music that we can to satisfy ourselves. And the fact that other people enjoy it or or take enjoyment from it, to us, it's just kind of like icing on the cake. And uh, so our hope with this new album is maybe to attract a few new followers that never heard of us, maybe like yourself that gets into us after we got back together. Um, Or also to, you know, just to show that, hey, even though we're a bunch of old guys, that we can still pound out some pretty heavy rock, you know, if we're given a chance. Yeah. And that, that I mean it's it's pretty you know I mean the album speaks for itself you know I mean I'll be dead someday and we'll have this behind me and I think it's nice to have something that uh you know like a footprint you leave behind you after you're gone and yeah I'm pretty, yeah, yeah, proud, sure. I'm pretty proud of it there's some low low points in some of it you know and we haven't always done perfect stuff that we wanted to uh in our career or in our albums. But I think we always strive to do better than what we did before. And we try to be honest and fair to everyone that we came in contact with. So, well, you certainly are
1: leaving, leaving a, uh, a respectable legacy. One of those things that I think helps with that is that there was not a, you guys weren't together and broken up and together and broken up and together and broken up. It was like two lives, basically like two lifespans of of the, you know and uh, i think that i think that helps to um keep some of that artistic integrity when you know when when you have the band that's splitting off in two different directions and there's different versions of the same band and that's when shit gets a little weird and it's like guys could you fucking stop and (laughs) but but we don't see any of that with you guys um not yet. Of, not <laughs> yet. Yeah. There's time. Speaking of being heavy, though the I think this is a, a very heavy record too. And specifically on the last three tracks, uh ending with down below. I, I I love I love the way the record ends. It's a big come down, but I mean that in a in a positive way. I really enjoy it. But what surprised me is the song that you released as the first single, Velocity. First question What does SCP stand yes. for?
2: And everyone today is ask I, I, I do <laughs> you not it. know. Tim no. for that, and Tim never shared that with any of us. And so, just so you know, I don't know. And if I know, I would tell you because I'm not good at keeping secrets. But well, now you guys got to keep the secret forever. Now, <laughs> no, you know what? He probably is not going to tell anyone. You know, I'm. I'm not good at. Like I said, I'm not good at keeping secrets. You know, but I think what it is is the Black Sabbath has a song "Nib" at the end of it. Mm. Uh, yeah. and I'm not, I don't even know what that is. I think Tim told me one day, he said. Nativity in black, I believe. Or, or okay. That's what he might've said. Yeah. Sure. But he's not, he's not sharing that with us. And so maybe someday, you know, you know, when the band's gone or something, maybe it is like, Will. he'll write in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's or funny. maybe he's the guy who chronicles, you know, the band's history or something, you know your biographers
1: will yeah, unearth it. Yeah. yeah.
2: And I'm, I'm being, I'm being totally honest with you, but that's a killer song. You know, it's weird about that song. It sounds pretty simple, but boy, it is a difficult song. And I, I should, I have all these props here, you know, the props, my yeah. drumstick, I've Cthulhu. you know, my little Cthulhu guy. <laughs> yeah.
1: but, I can uh, see him there at the beginning. Yeah.
2: Uh, I should whip out that thing too sometime because I had like a roadmap for me as a drummer to follow this because it was kind of a confusing song is a part where it's like, you know, it ends on three beats and ends on four beats and it goes back to three and it does that twice and then does four once and then back to three, two times and four and then three. And, and, uh, to be honest, almost all the guys in the band had one of their own. And some of the guys, some of the guitarists had one written down guitar notes, like C, you know, C minus D, you know, F, whatever, you know, all the guitar parts. And, uh, And I had the drum beats and I kept showing the guys sometimes when they, they would, we'd struggle writing the song. I go follow my thing. And they're like, we can't, we're not drummers. We don't understand what the hell you're talking about. You know? So, but um, it's kind of one of those songs, like I said, it doesn't sound that when, when I listen to it now, it doesn't sound all that crazy, but still even playing it, there's parts in it that kind of would throw you off if you're just trying to play a regular four four type beat. So I'll
1: take your word for it. I believe you. I believe you. That's that, uh, that, the, well, musician, speak. I don't want to say speak, but like the way you, like you're talking about writing down your parts, I don't get any of it. So uh, that's like a whole other language to me, too. I know it sounds good, and I know what I like, but I don't know how. I don't know how you guys put it together.
2: Well, the joke is on. Um, we have a song, Trevor Black, the title song on our last album, and it has a similar thing. Where it has this one part where it goes four times. It goes uh, four, 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 three, and three, four, and we are playing a giant show in in germany and i screwed it up and like the reason when we're writing some of these songs we even say that we said we're actually writing we're putting landmines in some of our songs that at a future show or let's say we haven't played the song in a long time and we whip it out one of us in the band you know probably be the drummer someone is going to trip up on it because we didn't write an easy thing to play we wrote something that had some kind of twist in there uh And like I said, we call them landmines and I don't think no one's had their legs blown off yet by them. But I mean, it's that's that's actually pretty much what happens when you hit that part wrong. So that's bound
1: to happen. It's bound to happen. As long as you play it off well on stage, nobody notices, you know, usually, typically. Perfect. Yeah.
2: Instagram thing from time to time. I might post that up there just to give guys some uh, background knowledge because it's kind of a funny matter of fact, if you see it, it's like. You know, you you write a roadmap out to some guy to get to downtown Manhattan. it'd Probably be that complicated. So
1: that that would be very cool. To see. You should share that. That'd be cool to see. Well, the record comes out October twentieth. Then what? What are you guys doing for the rest of the year?
2: Wow. You know, someone asked, you know, what's your next record going to be like? And I said, well, shit. I go, this one hasn't even hit the street yet. So, you know, <laughs> well, I don't. Yeah, I mean, more. What are you? Where are you, where are you playing? What are you doing? Well, you know, we have a bunch of shows planned for next year. Some of them haven't been announced, so I can't, I don't want to be at liberty right. to talk about stuff. I, I mean, I'll be at liberty to talk about, but uh, we're playing the Roxy October 20th. It's an album release show. A lot of people are going to be there. Record company guys are coming out, going to play the whole new album. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to film that and make a live album. So we're all excited about that. And then uh, we're playing uh, one of our big shows that's been announced for the last couple of months. We're playing up the hammers. It's in Athens, Greece. Hmm, very That's fun. what we played before, and it's amazing. You know, we we actually hear our live album, which is like over over here. I'm alive. Yeah, uh, most of that, not all of it, but some of that was recorded there, and it just a uh, really gr- good group of people putting it on, and people in Athens. People come from all over the world, but the the Greek people are just really uh, friendly, and uh, you know, they're they have warm hearts, you know, and they just they're ultimate fan, you know, they just love it. You know, the crowd surfing thing and, you know, they'll stop you in the street and talk to you. And uh, I remember uh, on our first album up here, we met a guy in Greece and he pulled up his shirt and he had a verse from uh, a song we have, I'm alive. He had it tattooed across his body. Wow. And uh, yeah, he goes, uh, I did this because I love this album of yours and stuff, you know, and we're just like, wow. And that's a joke. You know, some guys, if they get a tattoo of the band, they hope they like our new album so they don't have to go to the laser <laughs> removal guy. <you> know? yeah.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 no, for sure. From your drum riser up there, I know your views aren't the best sometimes. You got drums in your way. But what's the coolest thing you've ever seen from your throne?
2: Well, I talked about this earlier. We played a show, in uh, Germany Chaos Descends Festival, named after mm-hmm. one of our songs off the uh, album right above me, One Foot Hill. Chaos Descends uh, was the name of the song. And that was the name of the festival. And we were playing it at this thing. And it was outdoors in Germany. It was in kind of like a valley with two kind of medium-sized mountains with trees all around it. And stars were out. We were playing and just a big, beautiful stage uh, at night. And looking at the people with the lights hitting them. And they're just kind of like... uh, It's like they're throbbing. And they're, they're singing the chorus, Chaos Descends, like to our song. And I just looked out there and I could see him and I could look, you know, I mean, we play outside quite a bit, but playing outside in the middle of, you know, nature is kind of a rare, you know, when you're like Woodstock where there's a million people, it's like you're playing in like a valley with, you know, maybe a couple thousand people. I don't know. It just, it it blew me away. And and it kind of, I felt grounded. I mean, I felt like, you know, I felt like my feet were going down every time I hit the bass drums or like pounding like thunder, you know, kind of stuff. So, I mean, that, to me that was the ultimate experience and we played bigger shows. We played fancier shows. Uh, but for me, that was the most amazing part of my career to this day. And I, I was, I still, you know, my, I almost, I want to, when I think about it, I kind of like, you know, almost, you know, I've shivers, you know, run down my spine. kind
1: That's awesome. I hope you get to experience something like that again. And I, yeah. I, I'm sure there's plenty of opportunity for it.
2: Hey, Thank you so much for talking about, you know, Syrothongle. Absolutely. And I hope maybe your listeners will go out and pick up the album Dark Parade and and uh let us know what you think about it.
1: That was my conversation with Sirith Ungles, Robert Garvin. The song you just heard was Looking Glass. That, of course, is on the new album Dark Parade, dropping soon on Metal Blade Records. I want to thank Robert big time for his conversation, for his kindness, for having that talk with me on whatever day we did. It was very cool. I love chatting up with the older people in the scene, the elder statesmen. I should say. And you know what? I got to say something. They're always way more fun and way more pleasant to talk to. It's true. It's like they enjoy doing what they're doing. Unlike uh, some people that I talk to these days. Seems like a chore. It seems like uh, they're being forced to do interviews. Not these guys. The guys who have been around forever. They, they do it differently. They do it with a smile on their face. It's like they're trying to please you and not the other way around which it shouldn't be either way. It should be a pretty uh, natural just conversation. But, you know, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. With Robert, it certainly was. Uh, Again, thanks to him for his time. Thanks to you for taking your time to listen to this episode. I hope if you were unfamiliar with Sirith Ungol up until now, that you will go back and revisit all of the great stuff in their catalog. There's plenty of it. And uh, it seems like they'll still be making new music, just maybe not playing live, but you definitely only have one year left of an opportunity to go catch them live, according to their recent announcement. Sad, but well-deserved. Everybody deserves a retirement and I wish them well with that. I'd like to suggest that you, in the meantime, go over to gettingitout.net, see what's going on. You want to see the full list of new releases that I talked about in the beginning of the episode? They're there. You can check them out. You can get a sample of each or most. Uh, of the new releases. I only put players up for ones that are uh, on Bandcamp. It's just easier that way. I was doing it before where I would add in embedded players for other platforms and it's too much. It takes me far too long. Not worth it. So if it has a Bandcamp page, it's there to preview, to listen to, to check out. You can also go find all sorts of other news happening on gettingitout.net and you can read about, uh, Any band you choose, you can just go down to the show notes and click a name if they were included in this episode. That includes Almost Honest, Sirith Ungol, and this last band I'm going to play for you. I'm going to play a track from a band called Entiero. They're based out of New Haven, Connecticut. This track is a title track off their latest record. It's called The Gates of Hell, traditional heavy metal. You're going to love it if you like Sirith Ungol, so stick around. Make sure you listen. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.